0: We are continuing our Advent series, Christmas Nostalgia. When the world is upside down, Christmas reminds us that Jesus gets us through all things. And this rings uh, especially true for the year 2020, uh, where we all could use some good old fashioned Christmas nostalgia. Uh, we are using this Advent season to remember the feel good moments of Christmas's past and to cling to the hope that the baby born in the manger still brings to us today. And we are encouraging you throughout the series to dive into Christmas traditions. Uh, It's one of the reasons why we had the kids put on the play. Wasn't that great? Kids did a great job, yes? Uh, That was lots of fun. Yeah. Um, At the staff Christmas party, we all wore ugly Christmas sweaters, uh, and it was great. We took a picture. You can keep a lookout for the Christmas card. Um, But we've been encouraging you to do things like tuning into Christmas music and watching Christmas movie classics, Uh, put lights in your yard or drive around town and look at homes that do have lights up. Uh, Put up a Christmas tree, a real one, a fake one. Look, even though fake trees are un-American, they're better than nothing, okay? Um, Eat cookies, drink Christmas-flavored coffee. Uh, I like eggnog lattes myself. Um, Buy presents. Here's a crazy idea for the guys in the room. Wrap presents. It doesn't matter how poorly wrapped they are. In fact, the worse the wrapping job, the more authentic it is. Um, Or you can just go to the gift wrapping service in the mall. I've done that too. Um, Put up a nativity. Uh, Buy one if you don't own one. And do all this stuff with someone, family, friends, um, but just make the most out of this season this year. And at some point, Um, Read the birth narratives of Jesus. You can find them in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. Uh, We're going to hear a part of one of those um, in a a little bit. Uh, Go ahead and turn to your Bibles, to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament, and we're going to be reading Matthew 1, verses 18 to 23. And the reason why we are encouraging you to jump into Christmas is because as we get older, we lose our sense of wonder. And in a year like 2020... We need to get our sense of wonder back. Um, As I said earlier, Christmas joy is something we lose as we age. Uh, And a main reason we lose our sense of joy is because we lose our sense of wonder. And so this morning, we want to recapture a little bit of that Christmas wonder. Um, We've asked Lanise Thompson to read the scripture this morning. So Lenice, if you can make your way up to the podium. As she does, I'm going to ask you to please stand and face the center of the room. If you're able to stand, please do. And um, we stand because we believe this is the word of God. And so, Lenise, whenever you are ready, please read from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 23.
1: This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us.
0: Laniece, thank you very much. You all may be seated. Uh, Last week, Pastor John um, brought up the movie Elf. Elf is a Christmas classic, uh, it's one of my all-time favorite Christmas movies, um, and to me, Elf was really the first classic Christmas movie that was made in the 2000s. Um, if you were to go further back, uh, in my opinion, the very first Christmas movie classic was, let's see, just kind of see if you can guess what it is. In my mind, It's, it's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life was the first Christmas movie classic. Yes, yeah, so a woohoo! that's very good. Um, now, how many of you have seen it? How many of you have seen it? I was amazed in the first service as well how many people haven't seen the movie. Last year, uh, I I learned one of the staff members had never seen the movie. I made the staff member watch the movie and take a test, okay? You should go see it. Now, this is going to be a little bit of, you know, um, if you haven't seen it, I apologize for maybe sharing some things about the movie, Uh, but it'll be all right. Um, It's about George Bailey who had big dreams to travel the world, live this flamboyant life and all he wants to do is get out of his hometown of Bedford Falls, which of course he never does. Um, He ends up taking over the family business, the Bailey brothers building and loan. Uh, He gets married, he raises a family and then due to some shenanigans by the movie villain Mr. Potter, George finds himself in a financial mess and is considering suicide on Christmas Eve. Um, Angel second class, Clarence comes and shows George what his life would have been like if George had never been born. And then George sees the impact he's made on so many people, and he realizes that his life is truly wonderful. Now, when I was a teenager, this movie mesmerized me. Uh, We had a VHS copy of it. I watched it over and over and over. And it mesmerized me because it made me wonder What was it like to live back in the 20s and 30s and 40s? The movie made it seem like it was such a simpler time, and I doubt that it was, but it sure seemed like that in the It's a Wonderful Life world. Um, Teenage years can be turbulent, and for me, this movie became sort of a place to escape, um, to wonder what it would be like to live during that It's a Wonderful Time era, the simpler time, the small town of Bedford Falls. It had a drugstore, a bank, a library, a building and loan. It was this growing town um, with all sorts of housing developments. And it was a place where you had lifelong friendships, and even the taxi driver and police officer knew who you were. And it just gave me a sense of wonder of what it would be like to live in a place like that. And the message of the movie, that if you invest in people, your life will have immeasurable value. That made me wonder. Um, seeing the impact you made on others, to be able to do that in the way that George Bailey was, that made me wonder. Um, I was uh, the president of my senior class in high school, and um, the message that from Clarence to George that he writes to him at the end of the movie and the message was, no man is a failure who has friends. I absolutely loved that. And so um, I just made that our class motto. I didn't even ask anybody from the class. I just decided, yep, yeah, that's our class motto. No one is a failure who has friends. Wonder is the amazement at something awesomely mysterious or new to one's experience. Wonder It's amazement at something awesomely mysterious or new to one's experience. Is it a wonderful life? Meaning, does anything make you wonder? Do you ever find yourself mesmerized by something? We live in a world that values understanding how things work. Because if you understand how things work, you can control these things. And we value control. We want to be in control. And so we are so focused on understanding and control that the things we don't understand and can't control, well, those things tend to just slip right through our fingers. Now, knowledge of how the world works, that's a good thing, all right? But, you know, it allows us to accomplish more, live longer, do great things. Somewhere in our pursuit of knowledge, we have lost our ability to wonder. To be amazed at something mysterious. When was the last time you were amazed at something mysterious? You see, wonder can bring joy. A wonderful life is a life filled with joy. And we've lost our way from wonder. And like George Bailey, we need someone to show us the wonder in our lives. We almost need like a map to get back to wonder. Uh, the Christmas story, the story of Jesus' birth, it can be our map to wonder. And the first thing that we need on our map to wander is something miraculous. We need something miraculous. Going back to the scripture that uh, we read just a little bit ago, going back to Matthew 1, verse 18, which says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So God just decided, Mary, you're now pregnant. And this is both miraculous and mysterious. And it kind of makes you wonder, you know, things like, you know, how did Mary tell her parents? Uh, How did her parents react? Was it a scandal in the town? Um, Why would God put Mary in such a weird position? And then, did Jesus inherit Mary's biological genes? How did that work? Uh, Was the conception the only thing miraculous? Or was the whole pregnancy miraculous? You know, like, was there no morning sickness and no food cravings, no pup rash, none of that kind of stuff? It was just a perfect pregnancy. I don't know. Um, This was God's way of bringing God's Son, our Savior, into the world. It was God's way to show his goodwill to us, and it was a miracle. And we need God to do miracles in our lives. We need something tangible to assure us of God's good will to us. And this has always, always been the case. Abraham was told that he and Sarah were going to have a son in their old age and it took a miracle. Moses was told he was gonna lead the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt and it took a miracle. The Israelites needed to survive for 40 years in the desert And every day in the desert, it took a miracle to survive. Joshua was told to conquer the promised land, and it took a miracle. Elijah needed to show the Israelites that the Lord was God on Mount Carmel, and it took a miracle. Naaman needed to be healed from leprosy. It took a miracle. Esther had to intervene to prevent a holocaust, and it took a miracle. I don't know what challenges you are facing. I don't know what challenges are coming your way. Maybe it's a health crisis or financial crisis or a relational crisis. But I am telling you, sooner than you think, you are going to need a miracle. You are going to need God to intervene in your life. And whenever God intervenes in our lives, it is almost never the way we think God should intervene. Every one of the examples I just referenced from Scripture, when God gave a miracle, it was done in an unexpected way. Every time God acted, it made the people wonder, what is going on here? And so we needed a Savior. How was God going to save us from our sins? Well, God sent his son to be born of a virgin. Mary, you are going to be the mother of the Messiah. That's wonderful news. By the way, even though your marriage isn't finished yet, you are now pregnant. Wait, what? And Mary's life would forever be changed. We need God to intervene in our lives. And when God does, it will not always, in fact, almost always will not be what we expect. And it will make us wonder, what is God doing Because God is going to give a miracle based upon what God thinks we need, not based upon what we think we need. And many times we don't really know what we need. We kind of need to dig a little deeper to see what we need. And we don't do that. So God does it for us. And so if you ever wonder, what is God doing in my life, that's good. Because when God acts, it should cause us to wonder. The Savior was born to a virgin that's wonderfully mysterious. And the road to wonder begins with something miraculous. And after God does something miraculous, the next step to wonder is astonishment. Going back to the passage in Matthew chapter 1, verses 19 to 21, where it says... Being pledged to be married in that context was a, was a binding contract, only ending in death and divorce, or divorce. And the pledge would last mm, usually about a year, and um, in this case, Mary and Joseph, they were in essence married. Joseph was her husband, but the marriage was not complete. She still lived in her father's house. The marriage would be completed when um, the husband took the wife home in a public ceremony. But before that can happen, Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant. And he has to be astonished. Now, astonished in a bad way. His dreams for what his family was going to be were shattered. And sometimes when God acts in our lives, at first we're not thrilled with what is happening. Joseph knows it's not his child, and so he plans to divorce her quietly. And God sends an angel to visit him in a dream. Now, one thing I wonder about at this point in the story is why does the angel appear to Joseph in a dream? The reason I ask that question is because um, elsewhere in the Christmas story, an angel appears to Mary, but not in a dream. He just appears to her. And then there's another time in the story where John the Baptist's father has an angel visit. And that's not in a dream. The angel just shows up. Well, Joseph has an angel visit him in a dream. And dreams are mysterious. We often, we ourselves often wonder what our dreams mean. And there is an entire field of study just for dreams. There are all kinds of psychological dream interpretations, psychological meaning of dreams. Dreams. Um, If you have a dream where you are falling, it could mean that something in your life isn't going well. If you have a dream where you are being chased, it could mean that you're avoiding something in your daily life. If you have a dream where you are flying, it could mean that you're feeling free and independent. If you have a dream where either you or someone else you know is dying, it could mean that you have this fear of something unknown in your life. Joseph's dream is astonishing. He is told that the child is conceived by the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that is the agent in both creation and giving life. And Joseph's world is still turned upside down, but now it's turned upside down in a good way. He will be responsible for raising the Messiah, and his astonishment has gone from awful to wonderful. And Joseph is told to name him Jesus. He will save the people from their sins. Jesus in the Hebrew language is Yeshua. Yeshua is the Hebrew name, gets translated in the Old Testament, Joshua. Joshua is the Old Testament character who led the people into the promised land. He brought the Israelites into their promised salvation. And Jesus is given that name because he's going to do the same thing. And what Joseph is told is absolutely wonderful. And the circumstances around Jesus' birth are astonishing. And after something miraculous happens and we're astonished, the next thing is that we ponder. We ponder, and Matthew gives us further insight into the events that are happening, where he says in verse 22, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. That was not so much Jesus' name. It's not what he was necessarily called. In fact, there is no record of Jesus being called Emmanuel. But Emmanuel is the role that Jesus fulfilled Jesus brings God's presence to us. Jesus is God with us. And there's a couple of things to ponder here. Why is it so important to God to be with us? Why does that matter to him so much? Throughout the entire Bible, God wants to get closer to his people, From his presence on a mountain to his temporary presence in a tabernacle to a more permanent presence in the temple to Jesus walking among us to the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. God wants to be with us. Why does it matter so much to God to be with us? What does that tell us about God? We need to rethink how we view God. God is not up in the heavens somewhere looking down at us, some angry old man ready to get mad at us and we mess up. God is with us wherever we go. God is with us wherever we go, letting us know that he loves us, guiding us into the life he has designed for us, and patiently waiting for us to notice him. God was with you this morning when you got up. He was with you when you got ready this morning. He was with you when you drove here. God is with us now. God will be with us as we leave. And God will be with us when we fall asleep tonight. And we've been told that God loves us many times. But it also seems like, based upon this, that God really likes us. Don't know if you've ever considered that, that yes, God loves you, but God also likes you. You don't just hang out with the people you love. You tend to hang out with the people you like. And God is the Lord of the universe. He is the creator of all things, and we do need to remember who God is and who we are. But as it says in James chapter 2, The scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. He was called God's friend. Have you ever wondered what it means to be God's friend? What does that look like? How would that play out in our everyday contemporary lives, to be God's friend? Have you ever considered that God wants to be your friend? You know, what did Jesus say to his disciples? I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Have you ever wondered what it means, what it would look like to be God's friend? They will call him Emmanuel. Which means God with us. God is the one initiating the friendship. And the more we ponder that, the more we ponder what friendship with God could be, the more joy we will experience. God wants to be your friend. It's miraculous, it's astonishing. It makes you ponder, and it's wonderful. It brings this deep sense of joy. No one is a failure who has friends, especially if one of those friends is God. Please pray with me. And Lord, um, I would just ask that you would, once again, just give us eyes to see your presence with us in each and every moment. And Lord, uh, there are many of us in this room that need you to, in one way or another, intervene in our lives in a miraculous way. And I would ask that when you do that, that you would um, help us see that. And Lord, I would ask that this Christmas season you would instill in each and every one of our hearts a renewed sense of wonder and joy at what it means for Jesus to be born of a virgin because you want to be with us. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.